Hey everybody, it's Miss Wisconsin USA 2019, Danica Trimberg, and you're listening to Life After the Crown with Tim Chialdo. Hey everybody, my name is Tim Tialdo, and welcome to Season 2 of the Life After the Crown podcast. Now, if you haven't had a chance to listen to any of the previous episodes, I do encourage you to go back and listen, because there are many valuable interviews that you will definitely gain some wisdom from. Now, for those of you who are just tuning in for the first time, welcome and thanks for checking us out. Each episode of Life After the Crown, I interview former pageant contestants, title holders, and women of influence who share advice and stories on how to help you succeed in the world of pageants, but more importantly, how you can flourish in the professional world once your pageant journey comes to an end. As always, I appreciate you taking the time to download this podcast. I do value your time, and I'm glad you're here listening. So let's get started. My guest today has multiple state titles to her name. She was Miss Wisconsin United States 2017. She placed top 10 that year at the National Pageant. And then just last month, gave up her title as Miss Wisconsin USA 2019. She was a college basketball player and has worked at the Super Bowl and engaged in philanthropic initiatives with the National Basketball Wives Association. She has a website called perfectyourpurpose.com with a podcast coming soon. That's exciting. And in terms of purpose, she says hers is to connect with everyone, share life experiences, and empower others. She and I met earlier this year after the Miss USA competition in Reno, Tahoe, and I told her, you know what? When you give up the crown, I'd love to have you on the podcast. So here we are, Danica Tramberg. Great to connect and welcome to Life After the Crown. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I was so excited when we had that conversation right after Miss USA and I can't believe that this is happening. So yeah. it's sad that I gave up my title, but I'm excited to be doing this with you. Well, you're one of the few. So your, your class is obviously kind of in the process right now of, of giving up titles as we go through the fall here. Um, I think you were one of the first ones, in, including Texas. I guess as you've now had maybe a month under your belt to digest the whole year and just what the experience was like, uh, kind of tell everybody about it. I mean, what, what are you feeling right now? Yeah, so it has been about a little over a month now. And I really was just kind of my goal after I gave up my title was to just kind of relax a little bit, spend time with my family, um, enjoy the little things in life. Because for an entire year, I really dedicated my entire life to this Mrs. Wisconsin title because I wanted to give it my all. I knew it was only one year of my life. So I wanted it to give everything I had. And that kind of meant putting you know, some family things, some social activities and things like that on the back burner. So my goal kind of right away was just to decompress and enjoy uh, small, regular things for a little while. But now that that's kind of coming to a wrap, I feel like I'm looking for the next thing to do. And, and that's really just been uh, focusing on my blog because I, I started it over a year ago and I just really, I want to expand it. I, I love writing. I love storytelling and expand that with a podcast, I think would be the the next best thing I can do. Well, and I, I love your writing. I was actually on your website today, just kind of looking around, and I, I found an article called A Farewell to Chapter One, which was obviously talking about kind of graduating from pageants. Uh, the first line of the article, if you asked me three years ago if I thought I would ever compete at Miss USA, my answer would have been probably not. Why and what changed? I vividly remember just sitting in our basement with my mom and sisters and watching Miss USA, thinking like, this is so amazing, how neat that these women get this opportunity. But never once did it cross my mind that I would one day have that opportunity. And at the time, I, I didn't even think about competing in pageants necessarily. I, I was totally a sports girl my whole life. So that was really my main focus. And then 
one day my mom was like, why don't you try this pageant? And I was like, you know what? Yeah. I, you know, I love stepping out of like my comfort zone and challenging myself. So I just did it. And from there, I had that competitive side to me, just having a sports background. So I competed at Miss Wisconsin USA three times. And that third time I won, I was just like beside myself. But every time I came back, I knew I could do better. And that last time I, my main goal was winning Miss Wisconsin USA, but I didn't almost realize or resonate right away that that meant I was going to go to Miss USA. Well, I'd love to know what got you into pageants because, as you mentioned, I mean, you're an athlete. You're a jock. You know, you really were a big time into sports. You played college basketball. And I, I've had a lot of girls on who were either former athletes or, or tomboys or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And I think when they're first approached, I mean, the automatic answer is hell no. Uh, I'm an athlete. You know, I'm not I'm not a pageant girl. Who, who I would right. be, love to know kind of where that transition happened for you. Was it something that somebody brought up or was it just your competitive side? I think that for me, it was the opportunity to do something different. Uh, I just feel like people aren't just athletes or people aren't just whatever title they are. I feel like there's so much more to a person and I'm always up for, you know, breaking stereotypes and kind of reaching, trying to reach to the next level. And so for me, I think it was just to almost prove that I'm super multifaceted and I could do anything that I really put my mind to. Were you concerned that your fellow athletes would look at you in a different way if you did a pageant? They, so it's funny, they always looked at me differently because <laughs> I, had, I would do uh, modeling as well growing up. And even my, my college coach, she would like, just don't hit Danica in the face. <laughs> like anytime during practice when we're passing the ball around or stuff. So, I mean, they had totally embraced that I, I could get rough on the court and I could also dress up and walk down the runway. So they, they totally embraced who I was and everything I did. And, you know, sometimes they would poke fun at me for it, but it was all in good, good part. So you've held a couple of state titles, as we mentioned at the beginning, you competed in both the United States and USA systems. Um, now that you have uh, given up your Wisconsin title for USA, um, are you done? Do you feel like this is it for pageants or do you, do you see more ahead? I feel like um, my side, I'm done competing, but I would really love to, after going through the experience and, you know, winning two titles and just kind of transitioning and learning what it's all about, I would love to now take my experience and help young women who are looking to do it, just kind of help them hone their skills and learn who they are. I gained so much self-awareness and self-confidence through competing. And I know that I could share my experiences to help other young women also gain self-awareness and boost their self-esteem. And I think that's one of the greatest parts about pageants. And that's kind of where I see my fit now is I had my time. I did it. I experienced it. It was amazing. But now how can I use that experience in my life to like help someone else? So would you consider it more like personal coaching or pageant coaching? Yeah, I've, I've also, I've always enjoyed the psychology of things as well. And so I've been looking into getting my life coach certifi- certification coming up. And it's something that I can do online while I maintain my full-time job as well. And um, I think that would really help benefit almost like uh, personal branding and just helping, you know, helping women come into their own skin, know who they are, be comfortable with themselves, um, dig deep and find their story, you know, what made them who they are. And I think that I see myself kind of on that side of things. So looking back over two titles and a, and a few years of competing, um, I, th- I, you know, I, I find that a lot of women, when they graduate from pageantry, really ask themselves two, two things at the end of the day. Number one, was I enough? And number two, was it worth it? How would you answer those two questions? Those are great questions. And I, I feel like I have, in a roundabout way, thought about those things very deeply. Was I enough? 
I, I was enough because that's who I was at the time. I gave it all I could. And, you know, 10 years ago, I wasn't who I was when I competed. And, you know, 10 years from now, I'm not going to be who I was when I competed. But at that time, it's exactly who I was. I gave it my all. And, you know, it just wasn't in my journey to maybe win Miss USA or advance in that way. But I look back and only there's only going to be one winner. So what are you going to take from that experience? I have 50 new friends across the entire country. I gained so much confidence. I competed at Miss USA. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, I met so many people. So do I think I was enough? Yes, I do. Because I, you know, I gave it my all. I put my, myself out there. Was it worth it? Yes, it was totally worth it. I mean, I can't imagine my life without pageants now that I think about it, which is funny because before I couldn't imagine my life with pageants. But it just has it's brought me out of my shell. I used to be super quiet and a little bit more introverted. And I've really kind of grown to expand my communication skills and just the people I've met, the places that it's taken me, uh, how involved it made me get in my community. I, I'm so grateful kind of for my pageant experiences. Well, and I think a lot of people who are on the outside of pageants looking in, you know, some that either think, why would I compete in it? Or maybe, should I? I don't know. I think mm-hmm. they look at it and, and they would hear you say those things and say, oh, but that's just fake or it's a facade or they're just doing that yeah. because it's part of the pageant competition. Uh, your answer to that. Yeah. So I, I mean, I guess when I first competed, I didn't really know why I was competing. I just thought it would be cool to do. And then once I, I really had the entire experience of the weekend, it's an entire journey. It's a process. That's why you see girls competing for so long, because it's not just that one night that you're competing and being judged. It's an entire, it could be an entire year. It could be five years where you're completely gaining. I mean, you're, you're being more comfortable in your own skin. You're finding out who you are. You're realizing why you want to do what you, you know, came there for. And for me, a lot of it was, I have a very strong faith and I really wanted to just be a, be a light for people and, and show people that, you can do anything you set your mind to. I came from, you know, a sports background, but I could do this too. So to just not, especially as a young woman, not set limitations on any possibility in life because you're the only one that can set those limitations and you're the only one that can surpass them. So it's, it was just more than, you know, competing for me. You know, I've found that faith is such a big part of the pageant world. Of course, you don't hear about it really talked about in the press or anything like that. But you know, I know you've experienced mm-hmm. it firsthand with a lot of the other girls uh, backstage, just during competition. Yeah. Uh, talk about how you were able to um, grow and share your faith uh, during your reign. Yeah, I think especially at Miss USA, you know, coming in there, everyone's beautiful. One girl is more beautiful than the next. And that can get really intimidating sometimes. But the one great thing that I found through my entire two weeks in Reno was that we would have prayer groups. We would pray all together as a group before we went out on stage. And I feel like it was the strong faith of these women. They were so secure in who they are that they didn't, they don't judge you. They support you and they want to see you succeed. And I think that has so much to do with having a strong faith and knowing who you are and whose you are. And we're all sisters in Christ. And that's kind of how we treated each other the two weeks we were there. And any even throughout my reign as a whole, I think there's so many times where you could be doing some glamorous things and it could go, get to your head re- really easily. And I think you just have to sit down and like realize why are you doing this? Like, uh, there, it's just so much greater than yourself. And it's so much greater than, you know, those fancy moments. It's how do you represent God's light through you? 
because you have this incredible platform to, you know, be a woman of God, be graceful, show God's love to literally everyone. And I think at, that's kind of what I wanted to do. And I, I hope I did that. I feel like I did. But it made me also very comfortable with talking openly about my faith to anyone I met. Where do you think your faith comes from? Was it just a upbringing by your parents? Was there a moment that you found Christ? I mean, what was it for you? I was, I mean, I was very fortunate. I, I grew up in a faith-based family. Um, I went to private school my whole life, so I was always surrounded by it. But just because you're surrounded by it doesn't mean that you, you know, you really believe it or you're, you're living it out. And I think that I went to college and I, I still, like, I still kept my faith, but I wasn't practiced as much. And then I just had a moment where I was like getting ready to graduate soon. And I was like, what am I doing? Like, what is my purpose? Why? Like, what are, what is my next step? And I think pageant, the pageantry aspect had a lot to do with kind of bringing me back to my center stone. Like what, what is the, what is it that I'm trying to accomplish? And if you live your life about you and what you want and where you see yourself, it becomes so overwhelming and it's way too much to bear. So when you step back and you say, God, what do you want me to do? Like what talents, what gifts and abilities did you give me that I can use to best live out like my, my faith, best live out your love for me. And I feel like pageants actually had a huge part in where that my true passion for my faith stemmed from because I really had to dig deep. And I think a lot of times too, college can be tough for people uh, just being away from family and it's the first time on your own. And I don't know, there's just so many distractions and I totally put it on the back burner, but it was kind of after a few years that I was like, Hey, like, wake up, like something you don't feel right. Like why What's different. And I just wasn't as active in my faith life. And I honestly can thank pageants too for bringing me back to it. Do you find it challenging to share it publicly or is it something that you look forward to on a daily basis? That's a great question. I think that I try really hard to when I can incorporate it to something, I try to, but I never like to push it on anyone or make it feel that way. You know, so I'm very much so, uh, I love to read people and I just kind of, you know, if I can you know, speak something, I, I love the idea of you have the ability to plant seeds in people, I think. So mm-hmm. you don't have to transform someone overnight or you don't have to at all. But if you share a little bit of that with someone, it doesn't hurt them. It only helps them. Now, you talked about uh, your mission on your website. Um, it's basically mm-hmm. to help others discover their unique purpose through recognizing their gifts and talents. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know you mentioned a little bit of personal branding earlier. How do you plan on going about that? Is it through a podcast? Is it through writing, videos, conversations? I mean, how do you feel like you can do that? I kind of feel like it's going to be an ongoing process. I still feel like I'm trying to figure out, you know, what is my unique purpose? I think it kind of changes also with you know, the seasons of life that you go through. So right now I'm doing what I can in ways that I think that I can impact people. And, you know, it started through writing and I could only just hope that people read some of it and, you know, felt comfort in my words or could relate. And then podcasts have become such a great thing to utilize as well. And and I know now so many women that have incredible stories to share that I hope that I can connect with people with that way. And I I think it's just a, a mixture of things. I think it's living your life on a daily basis you know, out of love, out of genuineness, listening to people when they need an ear to listen to. And I think it just starts from the little things too. So some days it's frustrating because I think maybe I'm not making a huge difference. I have to realize that I'm doing what I can now and, you know, who knows what the future has to hold. Well, look, I think you're doing 
a lot of difference making, and I would definitely say that. I mean, I've I've just seen you out and about, and certainly on social media, and I think you're doing a great thing. So don't don't ever think that you're not. <laughs> Thank you so much. That means a lot. Um, I, I got to ask this because as as I run into more and more title holders uh, year by year, um, what I find with a lot of them is that there is usually a significant event that happened in their life that makes them want to give or achieve or do something great. Mm-hmm. Did you have something like that in your life that really kind of from that point on set the stage for, okay, I'm going to be different than everybody else. This is what I'm going to go for. And this is why. Yeah. And that was a, a huge thing when I, when it came to kind of figuring out, you know, a lot of times women have some sort of cause that they're you know, super into and passionate about and working for in their community. And for the longest time, I really struggled with, you know, what's my, what's personal to me. And, and I still kind of struggle with it, but it, it took a long time to like get it out of me. And I think that growing up, I always, my freshman year of high school, I was a three sport varsity athlete. I was a good student. I worked really hard and I had a lot of jealousy towards, you know, my accomplishments and achievements in life. And it was so hard for me to understand because I always had a, a heart where I wanted to see people do well. And I would have supported absolutely anyone that I was a friend with, anyone that I wasn't. I, I wanted to see people, you know, achieve great things and, you know, push themselves. So for me, it was super hard growing up. I had a lot of negative stereotypes based on, you know, how I look, my accomplishments and simple things like that, that it, I didn't have many friends in high, in high school. I, I talked to one girl that I actually went to high school with still. And even it went into college. I, I have a couple of girlfriends, but you know, that was something that was always really hard for me. And I'm a pretty strong person. So at the time, like, you know, I would kind of just brush it off and, and get over it. But I think that's also probably what pushed me so hard into do, doing something impactful and, and good with my life is because I wanted to show people that it doesn't matter what you say, knock me down a hundred thousand times and I'll just get back up and, you know, keep pushing and keep doing what I want to do and know that I can and am incapable of doing. So that was one thing that, you know, it still follows me to this day. Sometimes I just wish people would be more accepting and encouraging and supportive of, of other women. And I really appreciate all the women that I've met competing because they are strong, confident, supportive women. Absolutely. And when you were in athletics, were you the star athlete in high school? I mean, it sounds like you were a pretty good athlete. Yeah, I I'm, was super fortunate. I, I don't know where it came from. I mean, I haven't seen my mom and dad uh, <laughs> play sports recently, but I did. I worked really hard. I, I was super passionate about sports and competitive, and I was just like had natural talent as an athlete. And so, you know, I, I had natural talent and drive and ambition. And so it pushed me that much harder. And I, I was at a small school as well. So it kind of made me stand out next to people. Do you feel like when you're a, a star athlete like that, and we'll just take athletics as an example here, that yeah. your commitment and drive to want to succeed and achieve at that at such a high level uh, tends to take away from other parts of your life, like, for instance, your social life and your friendships? Yeah, I definitely could. I was so, I, you know, I just wanted to, I always wanted to put myself in a position where I knew that I was bettering my future. So uh, yeah, when you're going to school, especially as a high schooler, you're get, you're getting there we started at 7.45, you're at school all day, and then you have either a practice or a game at night, and then you come home and do your homework, you know, repeat for five days a week, mm-hmm. and then on the weekends with games. So, yeah, that was my focus, and I don't regret that at all. I think that it made me who I am today, and it made me the hardworking, driven person that I am. I learned so much 
time management, uh, teamwork, honestly, just so many things from athletics that I would never change that. Uh, but yeah, you totally put things on the back burner sometimes. They're just, you, you don't have time to do everything. So yeah, maybe you aren't cultivating those friendships as much. But for me, even in college, it was, you know, it was something that I wanted to do. And I put myself through, I think I had four internships in school as well, because mm-hmm. I wanted, you know, I wanted to make sure that I was setting up myself up for success. So sometimes at the time, some, you know, it wasn't always what I wanted to do, but I knew that it was going to benefit me in the future. Now, obviously, pageants have been a, a little bit of a game changer for you. I mean, some of the things that you're talking about doing here in the future obviously uh, revolve around the pageant world. What was it that you were studying uh, in college that you um, hoped to one day or at least thought at that time you would be doing? I always had a passion for uh, broadcasting. So I always saw myself as a sideline reporter. And it's something that I still enjoy just because I think about where sports have gotten me. And then I went to school for sport and entertainment business and got a bachelor of science in that. Um, I worked for our sports information department at the school that I went to. And now uh, working where I do, I also have the opportunity to do some uh, digital reporting for a baseball team. So I'm doing that as well. But at the, also, like I think about how I want a family uh, someday, and that lifestyle is not always conducive to that. So it is something that I'm so passionate about, but I think there's so many other avenues I also want to explore. Sometimes I just have too many ideas. <laughs> I can't keep myself reined in, but I'm really excited to kind of explore the life coaching side of things too. And I, and I think a lot of these things can be done simultaneously. So we'll see. Yeah, well, definitely. Uh, I jumped uh, into another article on your website um, yeah. and it had a story in it that was uh, pretty incredible. And I'd like to read that story and then just kind of let you um, expand on it, if you would. Do you mind? Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right. November 8th, 2018, 5 p.m. I was on my way to climb the stairs of the U.S. Bank Building in downtown Milwaukee for cystic fibrosis. Then at 5.10 p.m., my plans changed. I saw my life flash before my eyes, literally. In the middle lane on Highway 41 heading southbound, I looked up in my rearview mirror to see a vehicle quickly approaching me at 45 to 50 miles an hour as I was nearly at a complete stop in rush hour traffic. I glanced to my left, but I couldn't see completely in the lane next to me, and all I knew was that I didn't want the person in front of me to also be a victim as to what was about to happen. As I turned my wheel slightly to the left, I found myself propelled across the next lane of traffic, every airbag deploying from my steering wheel to my sides to my shins and knees because I was just rear-ended no longer in control of the trajectory of my vehicle and crashing into the cement median, impacting the front driver's side of my car. My car, which I only had for five months, was now half the size it used to be. After sheer panic and shock, I realized somehow, someway, a guardian angel had been there with their hand on me, because I was okay. Once one of the kind witnesses was able to pry my passenger door open, I crawled out and realized the other driver had fled the scene. That must have been uh, traumatic and uh, I, I would think a little bit life-changing as well because I've been in an accident like that. I've been in a head-on collision, so I know the feeling of your life flashing before your eyes. How did that impact you? It was absolutely petrifying. It's coming up on almost a year. So it was last year around this time when I, I had just won Mrs. Wisconsin USA. So I obviously I was coming off a high of my life. And then, you know, and all this stuff is happening, I, I'm – because you can tell, I mean, I just wanted to get the ball rolling. So I was scheduling appearances and, you know, going nonstop. And then I got in this accident and, 
you know, I was, first I was kind of, I was frustrated because just the sheer inconvenience of all of it. It was such a, you know, a dumb mistake on that driver's part. He could have killed me. Um, it was so irresponsible and that really, you know, made me mad. And then it was completely putting a halt in my life for an entire month when I didn't have a vehicle. Um, I couldn't make appearances. I, you know, I was just totally put on pause for a moment and it was right around, you know, I Thanksgiving was coming up. So it was just a crazy time. And knowing that someone could hit you and just leave and having no respect or care for, you know, another human being, I could have been dead. I'm just so grateful that it wasn't, you know, a family with young kids and someone did die or, you know, got extremely hurt. I ended up coming out, I don't know how, with an extremely bad concussion and that was it. So I absolutely believe that, you know, a guardian angel was watching over me and I take as scary as it was, I still to this day have like PTSD driving. I'm always looking at my mirrors. Um, I completely changed my life, but you know, I'm just so grateful, I guess, coming out of it, how I did. And, you know, as someone who also had four OWIs under his belt, you know, it's just frustrating in the state of Wisconsin. You know, all, it makes you think of all these things. Like it made me super passionate about, you know, our drunk driving laws in the state. You know, how can you fix that? That's happening way too often. You know, so it just kind of opened my eyes to so many things, but it also made me realize that sometimes maybe I'm going, you know, 110 miles per hour and I just need to stop. I need to pause. I need to, like, God be in control of my life and not always think that I'm in control of my life. So, you know, it made me think about so many different things. And I'm just grateful to be where I am now and, you know, that I came out of it. And I hope that the driver also you know, learn something from that experience. You know, I, I don't wish ill upon him at all. I, I just hope that, you know, he never does that again. So. What's the old uh, Carrie Underwood song, Jesus Take the Wheel? Oh my gosh, it couldn't have been more true. I, I remember it completely. I, after I got rear-ended, my, you know, my back trunk was all the way up to my back seat. And then um, I was in a Jeep Cherokee. And then my front side, hitting the, the concrete median was probably the scariest part because I was going directly at it. Um, and, and it was on my driver's side. So that was so petrifying. I, I didn't even know what to think. I like blacked out after that. Well, I remember going, you know, through that type of situation. I remember just waking up the next day. And it was just a whole new perspective. I mean, you literally wake up and think, I'm alive. And that's a, that's a gift, mm-hmm. you know. And I don't think most people think that way when they wake up every day. No, and you don't. And, it, you know, it's that simple stuff, too. It makes you wake up and say, like, instead of, you know, I have to do this today. It's like, well, I'm so fortunate I'm able to you know, get in my car today, drive to work, you know, whatever it might be that you're doing, just it totally can put a new perspective on life. And I'm definitely a glass half full kind of person. Well, very good. Well, I'm glad you're okay. And that's pretty amazing that all you had was a concussion. I'm sure you felt thankful for that. Totally. Well, let's uh, switch gears here a little bit. Um, So I I know you've been listening to the podcast in the past and, uh, you know, a a lot of the discussions, uh, I guess, over the past couple of months have certainly been about um, the organization's pageantry in general and kind of what's going on there. I know you wrote an article about, um, I think it was a quote that recently caught a lot of people off guard from the Miss America organization. Mm-hmm. It was from a press release that said, an educated woman does not parade around in a swimsuit. Now, you know, in total transparency, it wasn't actually MAO that said that. It was a donor talking about, right. you know, her parents and why she, they wouldn't let her compete when she was little. But at the end of the day, mm-hmm. um, you know, that narrative is out there that, yeah. you know, there is this modern day woman who shouldn't 
be parading around in a swimsuit. And I know you kind of wrote the article on it uh, from the perspective of a lot of your fellow title holders that competed at Miss USA with you. I guess just talk about your viewpoint on, on pageantry right now, obviously, since you are the most recent competitor at a national competition. Yeah. And, you know, it wasn't even, you know, one person saying that, you know, double the amount of people are thinking it. So it's just that stereotype that I think we still continue to have to break. And there, I know that there's these women out there that I competed with that are beautiful, so smart. I mean, you look at Chesley, what she's been doing with her title as Miss USA right now. They're just so much more multifaceted than, you know, parading around in a swimsuit. I don't think that accurately depicts anyone that has competed in a pageant before. So it's it's frustrating. And I also believe that it's okay. Like we embrace our femininity. Like I think it's so important that we see, you know, the differences between like a man and a woman because we're not made to be equal. We are made to complement each other. And I think, you know, we're always trying to obviously strive for equality in some aspect, but you know, what a man isn't good at a woman is and what a woman's good at a man is. And I think that's why we complement each other so well. And I am all about embracing the feminine side, embracing our feminine femininity and, you know, being able to go out there confidently. We're confident in our own skin and we work really hard to live a healthy lifestyle. And so, yeah, I think that sometimes we strive so hard to be everything that a, a man is sometimes, you know, the CEO of a company and all this stuff. And not to say that we can't, we can be all of those things. But I think that, you know, sometimes it's looked at, well, if, if you're in a swimsuit, you can't be a CEO or if you're that, you can't wear a swimsuit. But it's like that stuff goes together. That stuff intertwines. It's not one or the other. It's both. And I think that we can be feminine and we can be smart. You know, we can be emotional and we can be strong. And I think that's a beautiful part of it. It's not that we're trying to be, you know, one thing or the other. We're showing that these things can coexist with each other. We're showing that brains and beauty can be simultaneous. Well, and I think, you know, part of the conversation that's always I guess we'll call it implied in comments, but it's never really brought to the forefront is that when you get in a swimsuit as Miss Wisconsin USA and you step out on a national stage on Fox and here you come down the runway, some people look at it and say, she's a sex object. Mm -hmm. What did you look at it as? I felt like I've never worked so hard to be in as good of shape as I was in. I'm not quite in that good shape anymore, but I'm still in shape. I like to work out (laughs) and eat healthy and live a healthy lifestyle, but that was like, I was working out two times a day and I was really, you know, trying to be the best I could be. And, mm-hmm. um, I looked at it as like showing off my accomplishments. Like that's awesome. You know how much dedication it takes to, for women to, you know, be in the best shape that they could be in. That's not easy. You're saying no to so many things. You're really disciplining yourself. And for me, it was like empowering. I was super excited to go out on stage and show everything that I worked for. And I just think it, it's a really, I don't know, you can't even explain it. It's just such an empowering feeling, especially when you think that, like I never imagined that I'd be able to do that. And I also at one point was never comfortable or confident enough in my own skin to be able to do that. So I really think it's a, it's just such a confidence builder and it's a very empowering moment. So when you decided to compete in pageants, I think everybody in their their own mind has an um, ideal of what they want to be or or, or somebody that they're pursuing in, in the way that they looked on a stage or something like that. Mm-hmm. Did you have an ideal either person inspired you in that way or or even just a, a generation that inspired you? Yeah, um, I actually really 
I loved um, Olivia Copo. I don't know what it was, but she had always been someone that I just, you know, thought was so regal looking on stage, mm-hmm. just her presence. And I also had watched so many interviews of hers where she was just so matter of fact and confident and just knew who she was. And she didn't let anyone, you know, she didn't take shit from anybody. And so she was always someone that I just looked up to. Obviously, she's stunning. And she's, uh, we're very different physically. She's very short. I'm tall like, you know, other things too. But so it wasn't necessarily like, ooh, like her body image or anything, but it was like who she was and how she portrayed herself. And I think that's kind of like the biggest part of it. And we always talk about how, like, how we shouldn't compare each other and how everyone's so different and unique, which is so true. But it is like, it's nice to have someone to look up to. And I just, I really respected who she was. It's not that I wanted to be her copy, copycat or anything, but I just, you know, I loved her whole, aura and presence about her. So as you look at pageantry now, you just competed in the national competition. Are you happy with where pageantry is, where it's going? What, what do you see uh, in the future? I mean, is it, is it what you would like or there's, you know, adjustments that you think need to be made? Yeah, I think that it's different than what it used to be. Obviously, you think of when it originated, it was extremely focused on beauty. I think a lot of what pageants are now are really focused on resumes, which is phenomenal. But I think that we almost have to sometimes take a step back and look at, okay, do we still call it a beauty pageant? Like what, what is it? Or is it more, I know, I just think sometimes there's a gray area um, because you look at where it stems from and then kind of what it's turned into now is more resume and, and your accomplishments and your achievements and all that you've done versus necessarily uh, facial beauty or like outward beauty. Mm-hmm. which I think is super important because I think you should probably, you know, you should definitely look at someone from the inside versus the outside. But at the same time, that's kind of where pageants came from. So I don't know. I, I, I do think it's changed. I don't really know where it's going to be. I think it's always evolving. But I almost wonder if we should take a look back at, you know, what was the origin of, you know, pageant? What did we mean when we, we said that word or gave it that name? Because I think it's changed so much. So I don't know. I don't really know if I feel one way or the other about it. I just think it's different than what it it used to be, but it's been good for everyone. Well, and, you know, I think what you brought up a little bit there was a a discussion that I also had uh, last week with Mackenzie Freed, who competed in the Miss America uh, pageant last year, is Mm -hmm. that I I think both organizations, um, the one thing that they really could do that would kind of solidify things for everybody a little bit and kind of shut up this whole conversation that we're having is just define what is Miss America, what is Miss USA, what is Miss Universe, etc. And just put it in a paragraph or, you know, define that model because I think that's where a lot of people struggle is I don't know what I'm competing for. I don't know what I'm supposed to be in order to be X, Y, or Z. And I think that's where um, I think some of the frustration seems to be coming out all over the place. Yeah, and that's what I kind of see to it. We know it for what it was. You know, what is it now? I think there's just, it's changing, but we don't always know what direction it's changing. And so it's really hard for girls that do compete because that's why I always think you just have to, you know, be yourself and be the best you can be because they, like, sometimes they just have their own idea in mind and you just might not be it that year. And that's okay. Like, you still have to give it a cheer all, but I totally agree. It's, you know, going back to, you know, what is it? What do you want to, what do you want your organization to portray? What do you want women to get from this experience? What do you want to be seen as? So I think we're going to see a lot more changes in the coming years. And, you know, I'm, I'm really just kind of excited to see where it goes. Um, 
You and me both. Yeah, but, <laughs> you know, obviously a little disappointed in how some things have been, especially with Miss America and um, getting rid of, you know, the portions of competition that they have. And, you know, it, it is what it is. And it, unfortunately, I don't know if that was the best move for them, but we'll see where it takes them. And I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I totally get it. Well, thanks for commenting on that a little bit. Um, I did want to talk about something else that during your, your pageant year, I know was something that was special to you, and that is volunteerism. Now, there was one area that um, you, you had mentioned was really uh, a part of your passion, and that is human trafficking. Um, why is that? So that really stemmed from back in 2017 when I was able to travel to Los Angeles and I worked with the National Basketball Wives Association. During my time there, we spent an entire weekend basically doing this philanthropic initiative where we visited a safe house. And while I was there, we were able to put together these bags for survivors. We heard from them all of their personal stories. Um, you know, we, we saw actually like operations happening, like sting operations while we were there. And that was something that, you know, you just kind of can't erase out of your head. And then from there, you know, there's stories about, you know, this woman who was sold when she was five years old from her mom. And it's just stuff like that. I, it really touched me. Like I just couldn't even fathom how someone could do that. And so that's when I came back to Wisconsin, found an organization in my county, actually. Mm-hmm. And I started bringing awareness. And I live in a very rural community. And for the longest time, I thought this was only happening in big cities. Well, it's not. It's happening in our own backyards. And that's when I knew I needed to, you know, I needed to start raising awareness for this cause. Well, that's cool. That's cool. And I, I, I can imagine the impact that that had on you when you saw it in person like that. It was just, it's honestly indescribable. You know, hearing that stuff and that it's actually happening in your own country. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. And uh, thank you for just kind of talking all about your pageant journey here. It's been a, a fascinating conversation. Uh, before we wrap up, I'd like to do the uh, rapid fire get to know Danica questions. Can we do that now? Yeah, let's do it. All right, here we go. Ten of them. Um, <laughs> these should be interesting. Here. All right, here we go. Number one. What's something that I would never guess about you? Oh, uh, oh my gosh. I feel like there's so many things, probably. Um, you can just pick one. I can touch my tongue sign out. <laughs> How's that? I wouldn't have guessed that. You're right. See? Uh, number two. Actually, this is kind of in the same category. Uh, what's your most unusual talent? So maybe it's that or maybe it's something else. Oh, I used to love to sing when I was little, um, like opera sing. And I have no experience or like no one in my family has ever done that. And so I don't do it anymore. <laughs> but when I was young, I would literally go around the house thinking I could sing opera. And I'm sure my poor parents, it probably made their ears hurt so bad. <laughs> Number three, what's the funniest thing you've ever seen a child do? So they're always doing something interesting. And it's mostly what they say, and it's probably super inappropriate, but... I had one of my nephews quote um, extremely bad words from uh, The Hangover when it first came out, and that was probably <laughs> one of the funniest things I ever heard. <laughs> from The Hangover? Yeah, he was like, there's a sleep tiger in the bathroom. And I was like, oh my gosh. And he was like two years old. Like, <laughs> I told my sister, and I was like, you cannot let these kids be seeing you guys watch this show. They're just complete sponges. <laughs> All right, number four. What's something that people think makes them look cool, 
but actually makes them look ridiculous. Oh my gosh, this is a great one, and I have the perfect answer. Those white sneakers that everyone wears, they're like <laughs> giant dinosaur clappers. Like, they're so <laughs> atrocious looking, and every young girl wears them with, like, shorts, and I just don't get it. Is it the high-top ones? Is that the ones you're talking no, about? No, they're like, they look like, um, like your grandpa's new balance Velcro white tennis <laughs> shoes. <laughs> no, exactly. They're so bad. The ones that are like 10 bucks at the store. Yeah, and everyone wears them. Like, just because it's all of a sudden a trendy thing doesn't mean it's okay. All right, number five. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Uh, I would say no, it's just a hot dog. I don't know what category that is, but I wouldn't call it a sandwich. <laughs> Got it. Number six, what's your spirit animal? Oh, an elephant. I just Ooh. love them. I think they're so majestic. Um, my favorite part is that, you know, how long that they carry their... Uh, young, and then that when one of them passes away, they literally mourn. So they have all of these emotions. And I also read one time that elephants react to humans the same way that like a dog reacts to you when you walk in or something. So I just think it's pretty neat. Mm, interesting. Number seven, would you rather trade intelligence for looks or looks for intelligence? I think that I would probably change trade uh, books for intelligence. I think that you, that can probably get you a lot further in life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's probably what I'd go with. Number eight, would you rather be the best player on a horrible team or the worst player on a great team? Oh, probably the best player on a horrible team. <laughs> I, would, I just would not want to be bad at anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I love it. All right, number nine. How much would someone have to pay you to eat a live spider? Oh, God. Uh, well, I'm still trying to pay off my student loan, so it probably wouldn't be astronomical, but I guess I'd probably say, like, at least 15000 15000 That's That's your number. All right, fifteen grand. Number 10. You ready for this? Yeah. What's the worst pickup line a guy has ever used on you? Oh my gosh. I just think guys in general these days are like, I don't know. I like they just slide into their DMs and they're like and they're like, Hey, what's up? And <laughs> I just wanna be like, Who are you? Like that's so strange. Pick up lines though? Gosh, I wish I had a good one to tell you. Well even if it's on social media, it doesn't have to be like in a bar or anything. Oh, okay. Are those face pants you're wearing? Cause your ass is out of this world. <laughs> 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 Where do people come up with these? I just... Uh, I don't know. It's, I might embarrassed for them when they say it out loud. How did you respond? Um, I usually... I am not a woman of many words. I'm a woman of many looks. So I think I just gave them a look and walked away. <laughs> All right. You're off the hook. Very <laughs> <laughs> good. So, uh, I, really, tell us here before before we go here. What's, what's on tap for 2020 for Danica? I have a family vacation coming up, and I'm so excited to spend time away from just, you know, the daily hustle and bustle of life with them. Um, other than that, I'm really excited to, you know, hopefully further my education in life coaching and brand building and start this podcast and really get my blog out there. And I think I feel like every day I'm kind of continuously trying to grow in my skills and abilities and learn how to build my personal brand and there's just not anything out there that's like, hey, this is what you do. So every day I'm just trying something new and, you know, 
hopefully that that'll catch on sometime. Well, I want to wish you the best of luck. And if you ever, if you ever need help with the podcast stuff, certainly reach out to me. I've, I kept a lot of notes on how I created this one. So I, uh, I might be able to help you there. Amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. And well, and uh, I'm sure I'll see you around here. So just keep in touch with me, but thanks so much for coming on the show today. Yes, I absolutely hope so. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to today's episode, everybody, and to Danica Tramberg for her time. Now, if you want to follow Danica on social media, you can check out her Instagram at Danica Tramberg, or you can check out her website that we talked about, perfectyourpurpose.com. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you wouldn't mind, please subscribe. You can do so on Spotify, iTunes, the podcast app, Google Play, and YouTube, or you can just go to lifeafterthecrown.com. And for weekly podcast updates, just follow me on Instagram at Tim Tialdo. Until next time, remember the words of 1 Corinthians 3, verses 18 and 19. Stop deceiving yourselves. If you think you are wise by this world's standards, you need to become a fool to truly be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. As the scriptures say, he traps the wise in the snare of their own cleverness. Talk to you next week, everybody. Everybody.